0: The Lord's good. The Lord's good. Jake, I want you to watch my volume uh, with the air on. We we don't want to turn it off because it's so warm and stuffy in here, but I know some people have been having trouble hearing, so make sure if I get quieter that you turn it up, the volume, but I don't want to get too loud either. Uh, Normally I speak on the first Sunday of the month, and I already have it arranged so that uh, either one or another person on the worship team, they select the song so I don't have to be you know, thinking about that my and my attention divided between the word and, and picking out the songs. And plus, it's nice to be able to um, empower some of the other people on the team to be able to see what's the Lord speaking to them and, and hear where their heart is and so forth. Well, this morning it was an odd day because it's not the first Sunday of the month. And so at like and normally as a team, we send out a group message at eight o'clock in the morning and here's the songs for today. And you know, for some people like Mark, he chooses which guitar he's going to play when you have fifteen you can choose um, based on what songs we're going to be doing, right So anyways, it allows people to be able to kind of get in that mode and be thinking about the songs and choosing their you know their music and all that kind of stuff as they're driving in or whatever the case may be well as Nam is driving and Sonia is pulling hers out. Don't do a pokey stop and and you know pull your music out at the same time, but anyways, um, but today, not being the first Sunday of the month, I didn't. I didn't uh, remember to arrange that. And so 8 o'clock rolled around, 8.15, I'm like, where's my text from Drea? It's her turn. And I realized, it's not August 1st. That's where it is. So anyways, I sent out a mass text to them, and, and I said, hey, guys, I forgot to arrange it. I need your help. And I say that to say that the Lord is so faithful. They had no idea what I was going to speak on, but there was a thread through the songs that they chose that spoke to exactly what we're sharing on today. So cool. So cool. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for a, a team that that is in tune to the, the ear of the Lord. Because we all need to be. He is speaking. We need to tune in. Just like a radio station. So grateful for that. Long before a satellite radio. Long before a shortwave. Whatever it might be. The Lord was speaking. And His people's ears were tuned in to his frequency. So let us be one of those people that are tuned in to his message and to his word and speaking because he continues to speak even today. We're going to share today on Mary and Martha. And I wanted to just kind of talk about each of these ladies separately and then together. And the story about them cuz they're very different. But both of them and including Lazarus himself, they're our siblings, Mary Uh, Martha and Lazarus, we're talking about Mary of Bethany, and their siblings, and their very close relationship with Jesus. You can see this throughout scripture, the way that they interact, the way the liberties that they take in speaking to him, Uh, they would, just like Peter, right? Peter said some pretty bold things to Jesus, but Peter had a relationship with him. He had a comfort level with his Lord that he felt like, you know what, I'm a... I, that's why I love Peter. He tends to sometimes jump and then look to see where he landed after, the, after he's already landed. He didn't look to see. He didn't have a lot of melatonin or serotonin. Excuse me, melatonin is your skin. He didn't have a lot of serotonin. That's what makes you apprehensive, right? Gretchen's serotonin levels are like this, and mine are like this, right? She is very apprehensive of what she does, but she's a good balance for me because I would like to just jump and then land and then go, where are we now? And where is she's going to scope it out? and figure it out and say, I'm going to land exactly right there. And even though I know I'm going to land in it safe, let's just still think about it. Peter didn't have that. He would boldly declare things, and then look back and be like, was that good? Was it right what I said? Same thing here. They had relationship. Mar- Martha was very similar to that. They had relationship with Jesus and had a comfort level that they felt that they could speak. So let's look at this. We're going to look in several verses today. So keep your Bible app or your Bible active and be prepared. But let's start in John 11. We're going to do some reading as well. So stay with me. It says in verse 1 now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Lazarus was a certain man. He wasn't just some guy who was ill. He was a specific certain man who had a a specific uh role or i should say relationship with jesus so that it was specified it was just not like just another guy that was going to be possibly healed or some other people that they just knew but he was a certain man i want you to realize that scripture is very intentional in its wording there is no mistake in the the phraseology or the words that are chosen Either that it is all true or not true at all. It cannot be both. I've chosen to um, accept, just like you I hope, that it's all true. So because of that, when I read these things, I see that the the writers and the authors were very intentional in the words that they chose. Just not by happenstance. So I would encourage you, I say that to say, when you're reading, don't just gloss over words and get to the the red words. When I was young, very young and probably a preteen or a teenager... When I just started reading scripture for myself, I was encouraged by one of my Sunday school teachers to to read myself. And you can see here that I'm very, I have a very strong uh, appreciation for the Sunday school teachers that I had throughout my life. I mention them probably almost every time I speak. The importance, and I know a lot of them are already over there, but some of you that are still in here are still teachers. The importance of the words that you choose. Be careful. Because they are, they can be, life, or death. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So I would encourage you to seek the Lord. Don't just wing it as you're rolling in there and go, oh man, I guess I need to, to figure out something to teach to these kids today. Seek the Lord. Ask Him, what is, it, what is it that you have, no matter what age that they are? What is it that you have for me to impart? So I was encouraged by one of my Sunday school teachers to read Scripture for myself. And so one time I went through and all I read was the red letters. I said, well... Jesus is the man, so I figured let's read everything that he had to say, right? But my point is don't skip over and be like, okay, I'm going to read. I learned these different stories from my first Sunday school class. There's this, Lazarus, where we know he was raised from the dead. There isn't anything that I'm going to tell you today you've never heard before when it comes to this story. But I do hope to bring perspective that maybe you've never thought about before. If you have, then that will reiterate those things and strengthen this in you. But it was a certain man. Lazarus of Bethany, we already read this. Verse 2, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with a fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. I find it very interesting that John references this. And if you, I understand that scripture isn't always chronological in, how, in the sh- chapters, right? I understand that. But this isn't even taking place yet in the book of John, yet he's referencing it. It's giving us a point of reference to whom this Mary is that he anointed his feet with oil, and wiped him with his hair. But if you haven't read chapter 12 yet, you don't know that that's even taken place. I found that interesting. But what it's doing is giving us a point of reference and letting us know who this Mary is. Mary is a very common name in Scripture. So it's giving us a point of reference to say, exactly this Mary of Bethany. Therefore, in verse 3, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. He loved him. He had relationship with him. It was a certain man. Verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Kind of interesting that he didn't mention Mary by name here. Verse 6, so when they heard that he was sick, So when he heard that he was sick, so when Jesus, capital H, heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. He stayed there. He knew he was sick. He knew he was ill. But he said already in the previous, just before this, this sickness is not unto death. He knew. He knew the end from the beginning. So the very fact that he tarried for two more days didn't matter. It, to him. It mattered to Mary and Martha, but it didn't matter to him because he knew what was going to happen next. And I'll say to you about this, had he not tarried those two more days, and had he immediately run into his situation and healed him, we probably would not be talking about this story today. It would just have been yet another man who was healed in scripture, which is great. I'm not minimizing that. But it all was it would just have been a, just another Person in the long list of people that Jesus healed. But because of the fact that he tarried, now all of a sudden Jesus revealed the power over something that he had never shown before. And I'm going to tell you today, there may be a situation that you are crying out for the Lord to come and help me. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your deliverance. And the Lord is tarrying two more days. The reason for that is because this fever rushes in, right in the middle of your situation and he heals it right away, you may not gain that faith that is required for you to get to the next step in your life. He's going to come in on the tail end of that and show himself miraculous over the entire situation, not that one little piece, and you'll be blown away as opposed to him showing his faithfulness in the past. It's a neto step. He's going to show his victory and power over one more thing in your life that maybe he hasn't been able to before. So, if the Lord is tarrying, if the Lord is delaying two more days, continue to be faithful and trust that He will show up. He'll show up because He sees you right where you are. So grateful that He tarried. So thankful. When I read that, the Lord began to speak to me about that. I began to weep. Because looking back, all of us can think of times where we've cried out for her deliverance or help or strength. And we thought, Lord, where are you? Why haven't you answered? And he has. Sometimes his answer, if you remember, is slow. Not right now. My deliverance is coming. So if you see yourself in the middle of a situation right now and you feel like, I'm not going to be able to make it through this. I'm asking the Lord for help. I'm asking him for deliverance. But he doesn't seem to be coming. I'm here to encourage you today. He hears your cry. He sees you right where you are. And he's going to come and show himself strong. He's going to show a deliverance in your life that you've never seen before. Glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For time's sake, I want to jump down here. It says in verse 14, Hold on. I may not want to jump too much. Verse 14, he says, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them, their brother. Many had come, their friends had come to bring comfort to them, to be with them during this time when they, of loss. You know, that's, an, that's something we need to learn from. When there are those around us that are experiencing loss, we need to surround them with people that, are, that love them. You don't have to try to fix it. You don't have to try to say the right thing. Just be there with them. I don't know if you saw, but this week there was a young man, there were uh, seven men that were in a boat on Wednesday night, I believe. And uh, they had been drinking. They were 16 and 17 years old, Get either a seniors or juniors, just coming up here in the Wall Lake School District. Anyways, three of them. It was about one o'clock. Three of them jumped into the lake, and only two of them came up. Seventeen-year-old boy drowned. That boy was a brother of a young girl who works in my office. And I was this week. You know, she obviously was not there. And I went into the area where she works, and I was talking to her, the people on her team, and I said, you know, I'm not going to say anything dumb like, "How's she doing?" She's horrible. She lost her brother of 17 years old. Of course she is. She can't make any sense of that. You know, and sometimes I feel like we, we feel like we have to say something to make it all better, and you can't just go there and be with them. Go and go there and pray with them, go there and sit with them, go there and clean their house, go there and cook for whatever it is that they need. We can just go there and be a support. So don't feel like we always I don't want to go because I don't know what to say. We don't have to know what to say. These people here were just coming and being a comfort to them. Now Martha. As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she didn't even see him. She heard that he was coming. She went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now here's where I say that Martha had a special relationship with Jesus. She felt comfortable enough to say, Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But she didn't stop there. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. She knew where to go. She said, Lord, had you been, she knew in the power on him, and she's right. Had he been there, he would have been healed, and he would not have died, most likely. But she said, even still, I know that whatever you ask, is going to be given to you. She knew of the relationship that he had with his father. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. She knew some scripture. She says, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, a very amazing thing next. He declared to her. Here's what I love about this. Some people, First of all, people I think a lot of times give Martha a bad rap, which I think is not fair. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Secondly, had she not had the type of relationship and felt the, the uh, ability to be able to speak to him like this, he would not have been given the opportunity to declare what he's going to declare next. Had you been here, my brother would have, would have not died. He's going to rise again. Yeah, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection, but I'm going to miss him now. That's what she's saying. Okay. Well, Martha, i got something to tell you. I am the resurrection and the life. He believes in me Though he might die, yet we're dead in, in uh, King James, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So not only did he just make his declaration, he didn't let her off the hook. He said, now what about you? Do you believe the words that I'm saying? I am the resurrection and the life. So what she say here, And she said to him in verse 27, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Does that sound kind of familiar? Who that men say that I am. Peter declares, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What does Jesus respond to him? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Martha is making the same declaration that Peter did. The Bible I read doesn't say that Martha was there. She, gave, she grabbed a hold of a revelation that even Peter, who was revealed to him by the Father, Peter didn't even understand what he was saying. She grabbed hold of a revelation. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's in Matthew 16, verse 12, those of you that like to note those things where Peter declares that for the first time verse 28 and when they had said these things she went her way and secretly called to Mary her sister saying the teacher has come and is calling for you as soon as she heard that this is Mary she arose quickly and came to him now Jesus had not yet come into the town so he's still outside of Bethany but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary rise up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying, This sounds kind of familiar. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Think about, once again, who they are addressing. And I keep pointing that out because I love the fact that he allowed them to have such a relationship with him. He was a servant leader. He was one who was willing to get down and wash feet. He was willing to be, get down right into the dirt, right where they were. He was willing to make himself approachable, that red veil, the same that's available to us, because of the fact that they could say, Lord, had you been here, Jeff, if you'd been here, I wouldn't have disappointed others. If you wouldn't have encouraged me. They had a relationship. That they could say things to each other that others might think, whoa, I can't believe it, you're doing that. Don't you realize who, with whom you're speaking? But they had a relationship. I made that up. Jeff was here for me. Don't worry about that. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then we see the shortest verse in Scripture. Jesus wept. I love the fact that we see here that Jesus is a sympathetic crier. (laughs) That's awesome, because I am too. He saw the hurt. That they were going through. He saw Mary weeping. He saw Martha weeping. He saw those friends that came that were mourning with them. They too were weeping. He saw. You. They took him to the place where he was laid. And he too, he wept. That verse really puzzled me for a long time. He knew what was going to happen next, yet he wept. I thought that was really strange. But as I began to read this, he was moved with compassion. He was touched by their feelings. He was touched by what was going on in their lives because he saw them. He saw them. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. Some of them said, Could this not be the one who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? See, here's the difference. Those that didn't have relationship with him said the same exact thing. But he didn't feel the need to address their concerns. Because they were coming from a spirit of doubt. Whereas they were coming from a spirit of relationship. Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a grave and a stone laid against it. And he said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, She's so practical. Lord, by this time, there's a stench, for he's been dead for four days. King James says, Surely he stinketh. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you, have al- you will always hear me, because, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And when he, died, when the, he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, his face was wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Lazarus, come forth. We mentioned it before, but the power from which he was speaking, had not he specified Lazarus, and he just said, come forth, I believe that all the dead who had gone before would have come forth. That's the power in which he was speaking. He was displaying his, his uh, victory over death. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. So by him saying, in his speaking and saying, come forth, had he not specified, they really would have saw something that day. Power in which he spoke. Let's jump to chapter 12. Then six days at, before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Jesus, or excuse me, where Lazarus, who who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. So we see here yet another time where Jesus is coming and staying with them. Whether for an extended period of time, whether for a meal, whatever the case may be. But he came into town and he was staying with his friends. They made him a supper and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary What did Mary do? She took a pound of very costly oil and a spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. Actually, in Mark as well, it says that he anointed his head. John references that he anointed his feet. What she is doing here is she preparing him for burial. She is anointing him with a fragrant oil. She could sense that something was about to happen. There was a feeling, a somber feeling around Jesus during this time because he knew well, what was coming as well. So you could tell that there was a, a sense in the room. Some things are going to happen. Some things are going to change. Now, one thing that I do want to clarify is there was another woman Mary who wiped the feet of Jesus with her tears. This is not this Mary. Luke chapter 7 is where that story is. And the reason why we know that is because it mentions that she was a sinner. She wiped him she cried her, she was so mournful and so repentant she cried to such a degree that it, it fell onto his feet and she wiped his feet with her hair and he says, go you know what, let's, let's look at it I want you to see it real fast, turn to Luke 7 sometimes it's good for you to be able to see it on the page yourself not sometimes, all the time woman in the city who was a sinner verse 37 of chapter 7 in luke when she knew that jesus sat at the table in the pharisee's house was, she brought an alabaster flax fragrant oil stood at his feet behind him weeping she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped him with her hair she kissed his feet and anointed them Then the pharisees were all up in arms that they were he was even allowing this and so forth a sinner even touching him and then he says to the Pharisee, Simon, I have something to tell you. He says, there's a creditor, and he goes through and he talks, gives him a, a, uh, a parable, which we won't get into for time's sake. But then he says, he talks about this woman. Do you see this woman? I've entered into her house. You, get, you gave me no water for my feet. She has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, and she has kissed my feet. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much but to whom love little, or to whom is little forgiven, same loves little." So he says to her, "Your sins are forgiven." Different lady. Because this Mary here is one that was sitting at his feet, does not speak of her being a sinner. A different guy's house even. Getting back into chapter 12 in John. Verse 4, the one of the disciples used Iscariot, Simon's son, who would, betray, who would repay, betray him later on. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor. Judas could care less about the poor. But because he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Now, first of all, getting back to 300. 300 denarii. Denarii was commonly known as a day's wages. 300 is basically what it would be. How many? There's not 300 work days in a year, but pretty close, right, if you have to work Saturdays or whatever. It's about 300 work days in a year. In 2015, the median income, household income, or individual, excuse me, for an American in 2015 was $54,000. So to put it in today's dollars, the reason why he was upset is because she broke a $50,000 flask of oil and poured it on Jesus. When we see 300 denarii, we're thinking, oh, what it worth three bucks? We're like, okay, whatever. But when you put it in perspective, this is what he's saying. The biggest issue, however, first of all, we see that her relationship with him, she realized that he was worth it. He was worth taking a year's worth of wages and that oil and pouring it on Jesus. She felt it was worth it. Second of all, though, we see Judas here, and he had no concern for the poor. None whatsoever. And I was thinking about something today. I read something that just hit me right between the eyes. said that Jesus rebuked her because his heart was in the bag that he carried. How strange is it that the one who would betray them, betray him, excuse me, would be the one who was given the task of keeping all the money? The one who sold out for 30 pieces of silver was the one who Jesus entrusted to carry around the money that they needed as a group, as the disciple group. They had one guy who was responsible for all the money. He was the treasurer. They would go to a place and they needed to buy food. Judas was the one that was doing it for him, right? But he carried his heart in the bag. He was more concerned with money than anything else. He allowed that to consume him to the point that he was willing to portray the one that he followed. The one that he was chosen to follow, called all the while Jesus knowing all these things, knowing that he would betray him, knowing that, he, that creed, greed would grip his heart, he still gave him the office of the treasurer. If you knew that someone was going to steal from you, would you give them access to your bank account? Let's turn to Matthew 6. Because his heart was in the bag that he carried. Matthew 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there where your heart be also. And it also says in here, getting back in John 12, he used to take what was put in it. I never noticed that before. What does that mean? Judas was skimming off the top. He used to take from what was in it. I want to look at Mark's version of this to talk about Jesus' response to Judas. He's a little more thorough in what he shares. Mark 14, verse 6. The same exact situation just from Mark's perspective. Right after Judas scolds her and says, why did not you give to the poor? Jesus says in verse 6, chapter 14 of Mark, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you'll have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you don't have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Which is so true. When we think of Mary of Bethany, what do we think of? This exact situation. She has done what she could, she's done her best. And that's what the Lord is asking for us and from us to do our best. It's not asking you to do Earl's best. That's for Earl. It's not asking you to do Bob's best. That's for Bob. He's asking you to do your best and no one else's. Don't try to walk in someone else's shoes, someone else's calling. Because when you do that, you're going to be out of the will of the Lord. Because that's his will for them, not for you. She had done her best, what she knew to do, to sit at his feet, to anoint him. Let's go to Luke 10. Verse 38. Now it happened as they went... That he entered a certain village, Bethany, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him at her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Once again, we see here, what does Martha do? She's the first to go and greet. What is Mary doing? She's sitting at his feet. That was an unintentional rhyme. We see here that Martha was distracted with much serving, much doing. But once again, we, f- we see here that the relationship that she had, the comfort level that she had with him, that she felt like she could say, Lord, do you not care that my sis- sister has left me alone? I'm serving all by myself. I'm doing everything. I'm doing all the cooking. I'm doing all the cleaning. I'm doing everything here. And all she's doing is sitting there at your feet. And Jesus so tenderly responds to her, Martha, Martha. There's another time that Jesus responds to someone and says their name twice. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but be of good courage. I have prayed for you. Simon, Simon, the deposit that the lord has in you satan desires to steal that remember sifting is when you use a screen and you would take the grain and you would toss it you would uh, shake it over it and all the dirt and everything would fall off and fall down and you would take the good stuff with you different from winnowing satan desires to sift you simon simon hear the same thing, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. She see her worried here. I want you to, let's talk about worry for a second. Turn back to Mark, or uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 6. Verse 31 this time. Therefore, do not worry saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after these things the Lord, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its trouble. Do not worry. Am I going to have enough food? Am I going to have enough to drink? Am I going to have enough to make my rent or my mortgage payment? Am I going to have enough to make my car a note? Am I going to have enough to fill in the blank? Whatever it is that you're concerned about, Because we know that if we seek first the kingdom of God, all these things, what are these things? Those things previously mentioned. What we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. Those things will be added. Why? Because we're seeking his righteousness first. It doesn't say, seek those things, and I'll give them to you because I love you. It says, no, seek me first, and then I'm going to provide all the things that you need anyway. And anything else you don't have, you don't need. But seek me first. Have your life in the right order. Have the right priority. And don't spend all your time worrying about things. You cannot possibly seek the kingdom of God and worry at the same time. It's not possible. You can't have faith and fear in the same moment. Do not worry. Feel the Lord saying us to us today that give it to me. Lay it at my feet and don't pick it up again. Stand still and see the salvation of our God. Don't worry. Seek us first His kingdom. back in Luke. Mary, more than anyone in scripture, is associated with the feet of Jesus. We see in Luke chapter 10 she sat at his feet and learned. We just read that. In John chapter 11, she fell at his feet in grief. I jumped over that part earlier. I I neglected to point that out. When she came to him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, had you been here? And thirdly, we see that she anointed and wiped his feet. She knew where to go for her source of strength. She didn't seek his hand, what he could give to her. We know we're supposed to seek his face. That's actually what she's doing. She's humbling herself at the feet of the Lord so that she can look to his face. She had her priorities right. She knew where to go for her strength. Most in scripture would come to the feet of Jesus with their hands out looking for something. But Mary... She came to his feet with her hands full, ready to give. She came ready to pour out that precious oil onto him, that precious gift. What we need to be is a Mary who works and not a Martha who worships. You Say what's the difference well I'll show you what a Martha who worships looks like I have to do my duty i have to I have to keep things clean I have to keep things in order i have to I have all these things I have to do I have to make sure that everything is perfect and i have to i don't really need to do this because I know who cleaned this month but uh I have to make sure everything is perfect oh yeah, thank you jesus thank you jesus I have to I have to make sure, I have to work, I have to do all these things. It doesn't say that Martha doesn't worship Jesus, but she was more concerned with her work than was sitting at his feet. My tool belt is pink, because that's my wife's. She's the construction person in the house, and her waist is smaller than mine, so it doesn't fit. I have to go to work. I have to build my career all these things super important got to go to the office got to work with my hands I'm a man strong have to work so that I can pay for all these things that I've amassed that I probably didn't need in the first place have to work overtime have to work have to work thank you Jesus i do love you i do love you but i right now i do have to work Or you can be a paper pusher like me. No offense to that, but I don't want to look at a computer all day long. That's what my oldest said to me one time. (laughs) I have to work. I have to work. I have things to do, reports to generate, calibrations to make sure they're calibrated outside of my scope. (laughs) (laughs) I have to work. I have to do these things. To make sure that I do what's co- what I can need to accomplish. Thank you, Lord. When I have time, thank you, Lord. If it fits in my schedule, thank you, Lord. The spirit of Martha. We're more concerned with our work than our worship. Let's look at Mary. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. One thing. I'm reading a book by Gary Keller. It's actually called One Thing. Gary Keller is the, the CEO and founder of Keller Williams Realty. He doesn't talk about real estate really in the entire book. He talks about finding your one thing. What is your one thing that you can do and do it well? The book is related to business, but I was looking at this and I read that. I couldn't believe it. One thing is needed. Our one thing needs to be worship. Because when we seek first the kingdom, all those things, they're going to fall right into place. That over time that you weren't able to work because you wanted to go to church on Sunday, the Lord's going to provide for you, to cover all, the, all your needs. There's a situation that you're trusting for, whatever the case may be. Now, d- trust me, there are times where, talk about the helicopter, the guy on the mountain, right? I sent the boat, I sent the helicopter, or you, I gave you provision. There are times where the Lord will provide opportunity for us, an extra side job, whatever the case may be. But we have to seek first his kingdom. It doesn't say, I'm going to provide you this overtime so that it gets in the way of whatever it might be. Now, I understand. I'm guilty of it myself. I've had to work late on Wednesday and wasn't able to make it. But it isn't a regular course. So we make sure that we seek first the kingdom of God. This one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. this one thing. Mary chose to sit at his feet, to humble herself as her one thing. She chose the good part to have a relationship with Jesus more important than anything. She chose to have him come and to minister unto him. And Martha was doing what she thought was right. She was making sure everything, everybody had food and making sure that, you know, that the house was clean so that when he came it would be in order. But the problem is she forgot once he got there where she needed to be. That's the only thing that Martha did wrong. She was concerned, so concerned with those things that she forgot to sit at his feet. She even said, don't you even care that I'm in here? Can't you see that I'm serving you the best way that I know? And Jesus is saying, I don't want that. I don't want you to work. Work it up. I want you to sit at my feet. So that's why I say we need to work like Mary, not worship like Martha. Martha. Because if it wasn't for someone coming during the week and cleaning the house, this house, it would be a mess. Garbage would be piled up. So there is a time that we do need to serve. There is a place for Martha in the house, as long as we remember our one thing, to choose the good part first, to serve the king, to sit at his feet, first, then we can serve after. So I ask you today, will you too choose the good part? Will you choose to sit at his feet? Will you choose to lay your worry down and look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith? Will you choose the good part. If you desire to choose the good part, won't you stand with me? Lord, it's our heart's desire to sit at your feet and to learn of you, to pour out the most precious thing that we have at your feet, O oh God. To seek your kingdom first and know that our provision and all that we need is coming through you. So grateful for that, oh God. So grateful for your love. So grateful for what you've already provided. Lord, help us to see that you've given your best. So Lord, in turn, we do the same and give it back to you. Be with us this week, Lord. Help this word to take root. Lord, don't let us go. Continue to Pursue us, your goodness and your mercy. Actively pursue us all the days of our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your protection, your provision, for your healing power, for your strength, Lord. We thank you that you've never left us or forsaken us. We worship you today, O oh God. One thing we've desired of you, that will we seek after, to dwell in your house all the days of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Wednesday night, we are starting chapter one in the book of Romans. We finished Revelation this week. So those that aren't able to make it, if you would want to read along and, and read in Romans, we're excited for that study. Don't forget the car wash next week. Youth coming up. And there's something else. Uh, oh, uh, I think that's it. I can't remember anything else. Sorry.
1: Uh, I just want to encourage everyone here. We're two weeks away from uh, youth camp, and uh, uh, thank the Lord we have more people going this year than we did last year. Uh, but I wanted to encourage you to s- con- to start praying, and uh, if the Lord gives you the grace to fast for, for this uh, youth camp coming up, and... Um, also if you could invite somebody, you know, I, I really feel Clark said a couple weeks ago that this church is, uh, the best kept secret. And, uh, I just really feel that the Lord has something special this year for the, for the youth at at this camp. And, uh, if you know of somebody who's, you know, in that, uh, uh, high school, college range that the Lord puts on your heart, uh. Extend that invitation to them. It's August 4th through August 7th. Um, young people, if you have friends that would want to go, this is th- the best part of your year is to share what the Lord has given you with our community, with our friends, with our family. And so I've reached out to some some of my own family in Canada uh, that probably wouldn't have an opportunity to do something like that. And and this is such a great uh, opportunity and experience that the Lord, I, I know he's going to speak to us in a special way. I'm just excited. We have uh, new people speaking this year and, and the Lord's just, I know he's going to move in a special way. And so if you have family members and and we still have a room, there's, we can make room uh, and we'll do whatever is possible to, to make it happen. And so let us know and invite your friends and family. Amen.